we have a God who cares for us. It's just so sublime. And we could just go off into eternity. And all of a sudden, the life and our way of living is changed. And we think, God, where are you? Where I've always been. He doesn't change. Our circumstances change. We get into situations where it is impossible, we think, to go forward. But that is the way of faith. And that's what we're talking about today. And, you know, it just doesn't come naturally for us. We have to appropriate the opportunity and the availability of Jesus Christ in our life. And so faith keeps reminding us deep down inside, keep going, keep looking, keep seeking to know Jesus Christ better. We can come to the end of understanding about one another. Sometimes we just say, well, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. Or we, for instance, I think Katie and I know each other pretty well after 55 years. And we can pretty much guess what we're thinking. That's what happens to us when we are involved with life. We're not just pushing things aside. We're involved in life. We need those situations that are going to bring us to Jesus and to his understanding of who we are, but more importantly, who he is in our life. That is very, very important. This isn't just a dream world we're in. You know, much of our entertainment, do you know what amusement means? Do you know the word amusement? Means I don't want to think about it. But you know what? The Bible is full of amusement. We want to meditate. We want to understand. We want to know the depths of Jesus Christ, how he has made us. Because we are made in his image, by the way. And so that's what he wants us to delve into and to understand so that we may walk in faith. We're looking at aliens and strangers out of Hebrews 11:8 to 16. Father, we ask you to open the scriptures to us now and allow us to delve into them and truly understand what you want to say to us this morning. Cover this time, we pray, in your holiness. Help us to understand, to listen to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read Hebrews 11, 8 to 16. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith even Sarah herself 
received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him God faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We are called to obey. Called and obeyed is what Abraham did. That's what we need to do. That is, in essence, what faith is. Number two is they considered him faithful. They desired a better country. And then we'll have a conclusion. Called and obeyed. Abraham was a man who had just about everything. In his own country, he and his father decided to leave Ur of Chaldees. And he was called by something inside him, someone inside him, who was working in his life. I don't think there's many of us who really like to move, to leave our home. Is that true? I think we're nesting kind of people. We like to make a nest, and then it's comfortable, and we want to stay in it. That's why Katie and I are struggling this month. We have to move next month. <laughs> By the way, our new address is Aki and Keiko's address, and that's where we're going to move. They are moving out of their nest and going to a far country. Aki has been asked by his company to go to the UK and do an impossible job. That's where Abraham was. What he was going to was really impossible. And he was moving out, but he was following a call of obedience. There are three critical questions that we need to ask ourselves before we delve into this. Because I think that they're very important to us. And they're questions that we shouldn't have to ask ourselves. But sometimes when we're at a very critical time, when our nest is being stirred up, that these questions are relevant. First one is, how do you know you are a Christian? Now, when you started on the Christian life, I don't think many of us understood what we were getting ourselves into. The Christian walk is a walk of faith. And there are things that happen to you as a Christian that you said, I didn't sign up for this. Well, yes, you did by receiving Jesus Christ into your life. Your life gets changed. And he leads you into places 
you would never imagine that he wants you to go. How do you know you're a Christian? Is it feelings? Is it, well, I said the prayer. Or is it something deeper that we need to learn about the walk as a Christian? The other question leads into this. Are you comfortable in the world? That the way things are right now, let's just keep them that way. I don't want to leave this place. It's too scary out there. But God is moving you like a mother bird moves the baby birds out of the nest and they finally start to fly somewhat. We can't be comfortable in our, the home that we're in. That is not built into us as Christians to get real cozy and comfortable. There are things that happen to us that God seems to be just shaking our nest and causing us to be unsettled. If you thought that you signed up for a cushy situation in becoming a Christian, I'm sorry, that was in the fine line, I would find uh, print that no, you won't be in a cushy situation as a Christian. Now we're talking about really big issues here. Deep down inside, we still haven't lost our relationship with Jesus Christ that we once had. But he wants to shake our nest because we're just too comfortable. And I don't know why God wanted Abraham to come out of Ur of the Chaldees. Things that I've read about that city you, you think that they, they didn't have flush toilets? Yes, they did. They had running water. They had hanging gardens. It was beautiful in Mesopotamia. It was the ideal place in the world to live. And God says, get out. You don't belong here. There's something better. The last question is, do you long for heaven? Well, yes, we do, but no, we don't. Okay, for those of you that aren't married, and the Lord comes and you don't get a chance to be married, I used to worry about that. I know what you're thinking, some of you singles. I thought, <laughs> I thought Lord, don't come back until I find her. I want to be married. That's the natural part of life. But God is sovereign. And he's got more for us than just a marriage partner. And they're not just a just. They are very special. So if God gives you a husband or a wife, that is very special. But it's in his plan. Otherwise... It could be like hell. We need to know that God is leading us and we need to trust him implicitly. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out 
not knowing where he was going. And I think that could be all of our testimony since we've become a Christian. How do we know that we are Christian? John 8, 30 to 36. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. That is the definition, I believe, of a Christian. If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, if you continue to listen to me, then you are truly disciples of mine. So raising a hand at a Billy Graham crusade or Franklin Graham crusade isn't enough. That is just the first step. And after that comes another step and another and another. And lo and behold, you begin to understand, well, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I expected the Christian life to be. And you get nudged and nudged until you come to the place, well, is it really worth following him? Well, yes, it is, because I want to be free. Well, the real freedom comes in embracing the truth. And embracing the truth is Jesus Christ himself. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus didn't hide things from his disciples. In a statement like that, he told them exactly what it was. They knew what a cross was. They had seen criminals carrying their cross in the street. They had seen criminals hung on a cross. They knew exactly what a cross was. To us, it's just a pretty symbol now. That is an ugly symbol. That is a death symbol. Don't worship this, but worship what it does through and for you, of bringing you to a place of reality of who Jesus Christ is and who you are as his, as a Christian. And you'll get lots of opportunity in the Christian life to be crucified. That's the name of the game. Well, it's not a game. This is real life. That's what God has called us to in Jesus Christ, his son. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Are you comfortable in the world? By faith, Abraham lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. You know, Abraham and his sons did not experience the promised land. Yes, they traveled in and out of that land, but they did not settle down. And it was not really theirs yet. In the same way, the earth is not our home. 
Heaven is, but we're not there yet. God is asking us to take steps of faith so that as Abraham, we will follow him with all of our hearts. Luke 14, 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Wait a minute. That is asking way too much. No, Jesus said, come and lose your life. That is the mark of a Christian. To be able to say, no, I will not be part of accumulating things of the world. I will follow Jesus Christ. James says it a little bit harder. James 4.4 Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself, oh no, don't say it, don't say it, an enemy of God. That's pretty harsh. That's pretty much drawing the line. You know, what we're looking for in the church and from Jesus Christ is that kind of commitment. That's what we need in our Christian lives is that we've given all and followed him. But oftentimes preachers won't tell you that when they give an appeal, an evangelistic service. Come to Jesus and everything will be okay. That's half a truth. It is true that when you come to Jesus, things get straightened out in your heart, particularly with him. But watch out. That is not the way it works. I remember when I came to the Lord. I've told you some of this. I was 11 years old. We had gone to a tent meeting. Everybody that has attended this church knows what a tent meeting is. I went forward. I accepted Jesus Christ. And on the way home, my adoptive mother, my aunt, said, Ron, the decision you made tonight is a hard one. It's not going to be easy for you. But stay close to Jesus, and he will stay close to you. And that, I think, was the most encouraging word I could have heard driving home in that 1949 Ford. Some of you don't even know what 1949 is. <laughs> and knowing that I was choosing a life that wouldn't be easy. Well, my life had already been so hard. Could it get any worse? And you know, not really. Because getting to know Jesus and being able to tell my friends and be able to tell my friends who said, hey, Ron, let's go out and drink some beer down at Balboa Beach in California. No, I can't join you for that. Those are choices. That's walking, seeking the Lord's will and purposes. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And that has been the understanding that I have had in my Christian life.
Do you long for heaven? Verse 10, Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Just think about that. God the architect. God the builder. Think about your life. Those of you who have made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. Think about how he's put your life together. Think about the things that came into your life because you decided to follow Jesus. And what has it brought you? Not up against the wall, but a way through and a way to greater peace and greater understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And when you make that total commitment, you know, it may come several years after you have really said, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. And at that point, there's no turning back. You go forward and God meets you there. And all the incredible things that he has prepared for you. Listen to an old wise man. Jesus said, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you. I like that phrase, I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you. You know what is the greatest phrase in 14.2? I would have told you if it wasn't true. Do you really understand the impact of that little tiny phrase? Jesus wouldn't lie to me. Jesus doesn't lie to us. He tells us right up front. And he says, I go, I'm going to leave you, and I will prepare a place for you. So there is something beyond what we're talking about here. And here's what it is. John 17, 24. Father, this is Jesus' prayer. Father, I desire that they also, they also whom you have given me, be with me where I am. And so he's ready to go to the cross. He's ready to lay his life down. And he's trusting and believing and walking in faith in the same way that we do. Walking in faith, believing the Father that we'll all be together. That's the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sarah. Sarah considered him faithful. Sarah's story is a very interesting story. If you want to just home in on her, Abraham gets all the light, all the uh, attention. Sarah gets a little bit, but not much. Guys, we need to be very, very aware of the fact. I'm talking to married guys, by the way. As a, as a husband, we need to be aware that our wives are behind the scene in the right place. But we need to come home and say, thank you, honey. Or, no, maybe you wouldn't use honey, but I don't. <laughs> That's what Katie and I call each other. And her Bible study ladies think that is the biggest joke. Every time they hear her say, honey, they say, honey. <laughs> she is sweet. 
but she is in the background and I get to be up here in the front and you know what I can't stand being up here every week but I know that she is a woman of faith and Sarah was too I just challenge you all of you to go to maybe just go up to Google and type in Sarah Abraham's wife and look at all the references of Sarah in the Bible her life was scary you know that twice I mean not once but twice Abraham allowed her to be taken by a king or a pharaoh into his harem but God protected her I mean that is really scary you know we don't look at things that way do we but what did she consider Sarah considered him faithful by faith even Sarah herself received she received and conceived he laughed she laughed okay did you know that Abraham laughed when he heard that his wife was going to have a baby did you know that come on honestly did you know that come on Mel no you did not know that until I just mentioned it (laughs) most of us have heard that Sarah scoffed most of us think it was scoffing she laughed to herself and we interpret that to mean she scoffed and the Lord said you laughed and she said no I didn't trying to cover it up but she did laugh Abraham laughed in fact if you read the the text Abraham laughed when he heard that his wife was going to have a baby he fell on his face laughing I've never laughed that hard he fell on his face laughing he laughed and she laughed they both laughed this was ludicrous they both laughed and then what did they do they called their son Isaac oh that's that's a good name I've heard of people named Isaac do you know what the meaning of Isaac is (laughs) can you imagine Sarah calling her son into the tent for lunch <laughs> then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old shall Sarah who is 90 years old bear a child in Genesis 18:12, Sarah laughed to herself saying shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old you see what an incredible God we have incredible and they desired a better country all these died in faith without receiving the promises well what good did it do then what good does faith do when you're really facing I can't go forward I can't go through this but I know God is 
calling me to do this. It looks impossible. And that is what honors God in his word, in his promises to us. Having seen them, says in verse 13, having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. All these died in faith without receiving the promises that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. I think uh, most of us in this room, if not all of us, understand what it means personally for us to be an alien. Maybe not an exile, but you know what an alien means. How many of you have been in a foreign country? Okay, that's pretty much all of us. You feel kind of, well, first of all, you get a number and they take a picture of you. And that doesn't feel very good, but that's nonetheless the truth about you. And Katie and I were privileged, privileged to get another three-year visa to stay. I don't hear this much anymore in Japan, but when we first came in 1974, Gaijin da. Gaijin da. Particularly the little schoolboys. Strangers and exiles, this world is not our home. For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And that's where we are. We have something that is calling us, something, someone who is calling us to something far greater than what we have here. For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. We're called and we obey. We considered him faithful who promised. And we desire a better country. That's who we are. That defines us of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. You are a stranger. You are an exile. You are an alien. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I thought about this quite a bit this week. Does God feel ashamed of us? This says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Let that sink into your heart. God is not ashamed of you. He is not ashamed of you because you have chosen to believe his promises. If it were not so, I would have told you, Jesus says. For he has prepared a city for them. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words 
the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words. I am looking forward to the time when I will hear, well done. And I hate to say this about myself. Good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. That will be some day that we're looking for. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Let's pray. Father, these are incredible words for us to think on today. Thank you that you have called us. And oh, we are so thankful that you put it in our hearts to obey and to follow. And from this day forward, we pledge ourselves this morning to follow you with all our hearts in spite of what we're facing, in spite of the things that are in front of every one of us, of continuing on, being faithful as God himself is faithful to us. And we encourage one another as we see the day approaching, that day when Jesus will appear and we will be with him forever and ever. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.